Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Time When, the comedy history podcast where we talk about strange things that happened in history. My name's Amelia Edwards, and with me is my co-host, Barnaby King. Hello there. Hello, Barnaby King. Hello. And Happy New Year. Oh, near enough, yes. Near enough, almost. <laughs> this is our last one of 2020. Yay! Yay! So we're doing a little bit different this week. You would, if you were a regular listener, you're probably expecting this to be a me episode. But uh, unfortunately, life got in the way, i.e. I had an idea, wasn't great. And then I had to fix a shower. So Amelia has kindly taken over hosting duties for this week. Hello. So you get me again. Yes, indeed. So we'll just go back to our normal schedule next week. So I'll oh, be sure. doing next week. And yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 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 We so, don't have to explain ourselves. No, not really. That's the admin out of the way. <laughs> uh, let me just take a drink from this wonderful That Time When mug. They which, are not for sale. No, I was going to say you cannot get, but they were a Christmas present for us, which is absolutely lovely. Oh, we should put up pictures. Pictures on the Twitter feed. We should, yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. So, what have you brought for us this week? Well, since we're coming up to New Year, I thought we should talk about Robert Burns. Robbie Burns. Robbie Burns. Now, we're going to have to apologise straight up to any Scottish listeners or aficionados of Robert Burns. How dare you! <laughs> My accent is flawless. No, it's, it's not about the accent. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, I thought I knew a reasonable amount about Robert Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a Romantic Era historian, uh, but I do teach him to some of the kids at school as part of the Romantic Era when okay. I can, when yeah. they let me sneak him into the syllabus. <laughs> because, you know, everything ends up being English instead of, ah, yes, of anything course. else. Bastard English. But a couple of years ago, I got to teach uh, To a Mouse, which mm-hmm. is an absolutely... Like, amazing poem. I'm That's a big fan. the Of Mice and Men poem, isn't it? Yes. Yes. The best laid plans of mice and men, aft gang ugly. Exactly. Which, to be honest, like, obviously the first thing you think of is Of Mice and Men, the Steinbeck book. Sure. But I also think of the Eddie Izzard routine. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Um, so I think that I was prone to a little bit of exactly the same historical issue that we talk about a lot on this podcast okay namely i got an idea of what robert burns was like in my head right i see and i was wrong ah okay okay so do you know anything about him yeah basically nothing to be honest like i'm not i'm not really a big poetry person so it it kind of like passes me by it's one of the like one of those things I feel I should know more about just because, you know, I like literature and that, but poetry was never my jam. Um, I, I got through doing like English A-level and that, but yeah, it yeah. never really interested me. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, okay. So to give you a little bit of an idea, mm-hmm. he was a Scottish poet mm-hmm. writing in the late 17, early 1800s. Mm. He's kind of a sort of national icon of Scotland. He's an absolute icon for Scotland. Yeah. Um, everyone knows at least one poem by him because we sing Old Lang Syne yes, at New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. which is the reason why I thought we might as well talk about him today. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
Old Lang Syne was based on another older Scottish song, mm-hmm. but he added the lyrics. Ah, right. And um, and also people celebrate Burns Night. Yep. Um, which I believe is his birthday. Yes. Um, where you have to do all kinds of traditional Scottish man stuff, like <laughs> sing to a haggis. Yep. Should we should we tell a little story? About one of our friends. <laughs> no, no. This is not the time. Is it? I think we should. All right. Tell, tell the story about one of our friends who doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I won't name him and I won't know, like, name this, like everything I have. Anyway, we, as you'll know, if you're listening to this program, we play Dungeons and Dragons because we are that nerdy. Mm-hmm. And our group is fairly large, like including myself who runs the whole thing. There are six people. Um, and there's this one guy who plays with us who he's great fun. I'm, I'm going to say that up front, but he's not great at managing his time. So, and it's always food based. It's always food based. So one time he was incredibly late to a session of D&D because he had to go out to pick up parsnips for Burns Night which was the week after. No, Burns Night had been oh, the Burns weekend had... before. Oh, uh... But he was going to celebrate <laughs> it with his partner the next weekend. This was on a Tuesday night, so obviously it was super important. To get the parsnips. <laughs> for tatties and neeps. And I want to point out at this point that neeps are not parsnips. No, they're they are turnips. They're turnips, But yeah. they decided to replace them. Yeah. <laughs> this is possibly the worst excuse he's ever had. <laughs> But he's getting back there, I, I have I to say. I kind of love it, though. It is I... pretty good. <laughs> um, so, I guess because he's a Romantic-era poet who didn't leave Scotland mm-hmm. and is also known as the Ploughman Poet because he was a farmer as well yeah. and wrote lovely poems about mice, mm-hmm. I kind of assumed that he was just, you know, a fine, upstanding, boring gentleman like Wordsworth. A very wholesome man. yeah. But it turns out that he is a little bit more like the other romantic poets, Ah, if you know what I mean. Are we thinking Lord Byron? We're thinking Byron-esque, but less pretentious. Well, yes. Yeah, and also a better poet. I came out and said it. (laughs) I don't care for Byron. (laughs) Amelia throwing shade on Byron on our podcast. I know, right? Okay, so... In my opinion, having now read about Robert Burns' life, I think he was a total lad. Okay. Okay. So, I'll give you a bit of backstory to him. He was born in 1759 in Ayrshire in Scotland to William, who was a tenant farmer, Mm -hmm. and Agnes, who was the daughter of a tenant farmer. Nice. He lived in abject poverty. Oh. I know. Sadness. Um, But the thing was that William Burns was a self-educated man, and he also educated his children and taught them things like Latin and grammar and things like that. Oh, wow. Okay. So actually, while he was in poverty, he was also really well-educated for the time. Oh, well done, William Burns. Yeah, I know. Uh, he did a good job, despite being I basically was, impoverished. I was going to shorten his name, and I realised you no, can't. No, you can't. You can't. You can't call him Willie Burns. You can't do that. Oh, dear. Okay, to give you an idea of the poverty that he grew up in, though, yeah. it left him with a permanent stoop and a weakened constitution. Oh, I know. That's sad. It is. But it didn't prevent him from shocking his father at the age of 17. Do you want to know what mad lad thing he did first? What? He took dance lessons. <gasps> Such a lad. Such a lad. <laughs> you know that thing? It's like a stereotype when the working class lads, they like... 
they grow up, they get a little bit of freedom. The absolute first thing they do is they take their tap dancing lessons Mm -hmm. and then they're just on the conveyor belt to ballroom dancing. Absolutely. Yeah. So he also started a club which mm-hmm. was called The Bachelor's Club. Oh. I know. Um, and they danced the night away. <laughs> it was a debate club. Oh, bless. I know. <laughs> now, the things they debated, though, were quite interesting. So I guess something that I hadn't really been aware of was the level of control that the Kirk had in Scotland at this time. The Kirk? Which is the church. Ah. Um, but... We're thinking, like, way more strict than Regency-era churches in England. Right, okay. Like, very puritanical. Mm, Sort of Cromwell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're not actually Puritans. I think they were some sort of Methodist, maybe? I'm Mm. sorry. But um, you get what I mean. Like, very, very strict um, and very, very... uh, law giving okay. so they actually had a lot of control over the way that people lived their lives right um now i suspect this is one of the reasons why his father was against him taking dance lessons ah. um, and it also meant that the bachelors club despite it being a debate club which yeah. seems pretty tame was actually doing some interesting arguments which were probably really shocking for the time and place okay um Things like um, if you had the option between marrying a woman who was uh, beautiful and accomplished and uh, brilliant but had no money, or a woman who was landed, which one should you buy? Which one should you marry? Sorry. Which one should you buy? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Go down to the wife shop. <laughs> um, we know your feelings on women now. They also had this rule ten. Like apparently, Burns wrote all of their debating rules mm-hmm. um, rule one all must give all their money to Robert Burns as soon as they <laughs> enter the debate club okay rule 10 is interesting right every man proper for a member of this society must have a frank honest open heart above anything dirty or mean and must be a professed lover of one or more of the female sex hey okay right lads 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 <laughs> um, they also said that he shouldn't be haughty or mean-spirited or try to just heap up money um, which is cute but I like the fact that they just snuck in that thing about yeah. he's got to love at least one woman yeah and I want you to focus in on that idea of it being at least one yes. one or more of the female sex yes or more <laughs> so when he was 25 he met a girl called Jean Armour the Belle of Mochlin, um, which is a great title to have yeah she rings all day and long <laughs> Apparently gorgeous. Yeah. And allegedly they met when she had to chase his dog away from her washing. Which, Amazing. If that's not a way to start a long time relationship, <laughs> I don't know what is. That really is like a romantic comedy opener. It really is. Yeah. And so they began a relationship. Partway through this relationship, his first child was born. Ah. It was not Jean's child. Right, okay. (laughs) Um, It was born to his mother's servant, Elizabeth Patton. Oh, Robert. Oh, Robert. Really? Wait, his mother's servant? Yes. 
at this point, I think they had a little bit more cash. Okay, I was going to say, like, that's not abject poverty if you have servants. Well, we are still in that point of time where servants were kind of easy to come by. So if you're a tenant uh, farmer, right. you might be relatively impoverished, but you can still afford a maidservant. I see. You, you see right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you might not be able to afford food, but you could afford servants. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So he knocks up the servant. He knocks up the servant, who I think was about 22 at the time. Right. Um, As the penalty for impregnating Elizabeth, he had to pay a fine of a guinea. Right. And do penance in church before the congregation. Damn. Now, apparently his friends made fun of him for this, and he wrote three poems in response to the whole situation. (laughs) Um, And one of these, he he wrote to his friend, who was like ribbing him about getting Elizabeth pregnant and having to stand up in front of the church. Um, He compares himself to a poacher and Elizabeth to a partridge hen. Oh, my God. And he's really unrepentant in this poem because he says, as soon as her clocking time is by and the child is born, Mm -hmm. he promises himself further sporting by and by to get value for his guinea. Wow. Yep. That is so offensive. (laughs) Jesus. Also, I feel like I I wouldn't be surprised if these poems he wrote in response eventually formed the basis of the I Just Had Sex song by The Lonely Island. (laughs) I just had sex and I paid a guinea. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it does seem like that. He he does not care. He does not care. And, like, he does change his tune a bit after his daughter was born. Okay. Um, he wrote a poem called A Poet's Welcome to His Love-Begotten Daughter. Oh, is this going to be one of those awful situations where you get someone who, like, has a pretty low opinion of women until they have a daughter? No, he still has a low opinion of women after okay, this. Okay, right. Um, lads, lads, lads. Lads, lads, lads. But he did care about his daughter. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first fathers in recorded history to write a uh, love poem to his daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's super interesting because yeah. there are a reasonable number that I know of that are to sons. Yeah. But to daughters is unusual. Okay. I mean, yeah. I- I'm trying to think of what the... If there's like a modern equivalent of that. But all I'm just thinking is those... Really uncomfortable moments where it's clear that Donald Trump wants to bang his daughter. Yeah, this is definitely not that. No. This is basically him saying, you know, the church doesn't think that his daughter should have been born. But right. when you look at her, you know that they're wrong. Yeah. Which is really cute. Okay, so it's it's sweet rather than creepy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, he's talking about his daughter as, you know, a beautiful child. Yeah. Okay, so that is his affair with Elizabeth Payton. (laughs) From the sounds of it, I'm expecting more affairs to come. Um, Well, you know he's started courting this lady, Jean. Oh, yeah, I'd actually forgotten about her already. Jean, Jean, who's gorgeous, (laughs) right? Well, in March 1786, uh, Jean Armour's mother worked out that she was pregnant. (laughs) Oh, no. You're carrying a little extra weight there, Jean. (laughs) What's going on? Our diet is not really conducive to this. Oh, shit, it's that Burns boy again, isn't it? Okay, it's quite a good story. Yeah. So, Gene Armour's father was called James. Yeah. So, Gene Armour's mum goes to James and says, our daughter is pregnant. Right. He faints. Oh, okay. She brings him round with some liquor. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Tells him that it's Robert Burns' child oh, and he no. faints again. <laughs> 
<laughs> that burns bastard. Well, James was really unhappy about this. Yeah. Like, so unhappy. Because not only was Robert Burns, you know, pretty disreputable, because he has already had an illegitimate child. Yeah. Um, but also, he is way poorer than James Armour is. James Armour is a stonemason. Mm. And he does that dancing. And he does that dancing. Like... We don't want Robert Burns around our daughter. No. So he made his daughter move to Paisley to stay with an uncle in order to hide the pregnancy. Yeah. But uh, the Mocklin Kirk found out about it anyway because everyone's a gossip. Yeah. And they made her come back and admit that she was unmarried and pregnant. Oh. And also say who the father was. Yeah. And then they made Robert Burns come in <laughs> and admit that he had impregnated her. We'll be starting the Robert Burns Fund. <laughs> Add in your guinea. <laughs> yeah, I oh, know. There are already eight guineas in here. <laughs> We've had eight illegitimate kids already. <laughs> okay, so apparently Burns would have married her, and he had this like document that was like a sort of fake marriage certificate or something. Right. Like, as in, they had agreed that they were married, but they didn't do anything about it in right. terms of the church. Okay. Um, but James Armour was so against it um, that he had his lawyer uh, ruin the document. Um, Jean, who still felt that her father should have some say in her life, yeah. went along with the whole thing and oh. was like, yeah, I can't marry you. Oh, no. I know. Why am I just imagining now that this is the moment where Robert Burns kind of goes, well, bugger it then. If I can't get married, I'm going to have a string of illegitimate bastards. Well, okay. The problem is he was already in a relationship with someone else oh by God. this point. <laughs> Keep it in your trousers. No. <laughs> so Burns had seen Mary Campbell in church while he was living near a place called Turbolton. And his dog savaged her washing. His dog didn't <laughs> savage her washing. He saw her and he fell in love with her. She was also known as Highland Mary because she had um, a particular brose to her accent. Oh, okay. Broke? What do I mean? Uh, no, no, no. It's not. It's not even that. I um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be because she was well endowed in the chest department. Highland <laughs> <laughs> Mary, I'm in love with her at first sight. I could. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, she's called Highland Mary because she comes from the Highlands. Yeah, okay. and she's got that accent. Yeah. Um. So he dedicated several poems to her um the highland lassie o highland mary and to mary in heaven to her Mm. at this point he was kind of thinking you know what i'm broke um i very fertile i'm super fertile (laughs) uh all my guineas keep going to the church um so maybe i should try going somewhere else to make money right so he thinks like, he he gets a job offer in Jamaica. Oh, okay. Um, to become... Let's see if I can find the word for it. Oh, yeah. So, to become a bookkeeper. Right. Which means an assistant overseer of slaves ah, on a plantation. Right. Okay. Now, a little side note. Burns did become firmly abolitionist. Yeah. Um, but the abolition movement hadn't really kicked off at this point. Right. Um, this was 1786. Yeah. Um, so at this point, you know, he saw it as his way out of poverty. Yeah. Um, so 
he may have invited Highland Mary to go with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a poem to her, which was called, let me find it. Uh, which Come was to called, Jamaica with me, you busty lass. Uh, will you go to the Indies, my Mary, and leave old Scotia's shore? <laughs> That's quite nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, <laughs> also, so- I love that it seems that he's mostly just communicating in poems. Yeah. Like, he could have asked her, he wrote a poem instead. Yeah. <laughs> like, l- l- the man writes in poetry. Yeah. Like, that's that's his whole deal. <laughs> At this point, by the way, he hasn't published any poems. Right. He just happens to write poems. That's yeah. what he does. Um, so, possibly they were going to emigrate to Jamaica together. Yeah. But she instead went to go and nurse her brother um, who had typhus. Oh, no. And she got typhus and died. Yeah. Which is what happens when you go and nurse people with typhus. Yeah, it is incredibly contagious. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Dear. So um, it is possible they may have been married. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, there's this story, which may be true, that they exchanged Bibles over a watercourse and possibly some kind of Scottish matrimonial vows on the banks of the River Eyre. Okay, he's marrying left, right and centre. Yeah, he is. (laughs) At one point he did, like, in order to go to Jamaica... He had to declare himself a single man. Right. Um, I've got so... eight wives to get rid of now. <laughs> so I think that he felt like his weird, possibly illegal marriage document to Jean still meant something because he did go up to the Kirk right. and, and pay the money to be officially declared single. It's like the Kirk just goes, we never said you were married, but if you're just going to give us more money, <laughs> then fine, we'll open the box. Oh, we have to get a new one. This one's full of guineas. Um, also, at this point, James Armour tried to sue him, yeah. um, or at least, or to have him arrested, because James felt that, despite the fact he hadn't married Jean, and yeah. James didn't want him to marry Dean, James also didn't want him leaving the country. I can kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah. Like, it does feel a little bit like running away from your responsibilities. It does a bit. <laughs> I guess the thing is that back in those days, you couldn't collect child support from no. Jamaica. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, oh gosh. So we've got through how many? Three ladies so far? Yep. Three down. Um, <laughs> Three down, 428 to go. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in September 1786, uh, Jean gave birth to twins. Oh, wow. I know. Um, they were named for their parents because the Kirk said that children born out of wedlock had to have their parents' names. So one of them was called Robert and one was called Jean. Oh, what an interesting rule. I know. Why? 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 I guess because they wouldn't have the surname. Oh, it's like you're going to have something from your parents. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Robert was notified of the birth by, I think, Jean's brother, Adam Armour. Mm. Um, and so that Sunday, he went to the Armour's house with a gift of tea, sugar, and a guinea that proved most acceptable. <laughs> I hid this one from the church. Wow. <laughs> he still had one. Okay, so I think you might have gathered that 1786 was a bit of a mad year yeah. for Robert Burns. So much has happened. Okay. So, he, like I said, he was trying to go to Jamaica. Yeah. And even though he had the job offer, he didn't have the funds to get there. Yeah. So one of his friends suggested that maybe he should publish his poems ah. in order to make the money. 
Oh, that's so cool. Right? Um, so his first volume of po- poetry had been published on the 31st of July... 1786. Yeah. And it was an immediate success. Yeah. Like a mad success. He got known across the country. Cool. Um, so he's had his children. Mm-hmm. On, in November 1786, yep. on the basis of the success of his poems, <laughs> he went to Edinburgh. Ah. Uh, which makes a load of sense because he wants to get publishing yeah. done and he's got a load more poems to get published. Yeah, so... <laughs> he's just been writing left, right and centre. An ode to the milkman. Three pints today, my good <laughs> sir. <laughs> so apparently, I think one of his books he published and immediately got £100 for it. Damn. And we are in roughly yeah. Mr. Darcy era, so uh, £100 is not to be sneezed no, at. No, especially not if you are like... You're not coming from money, no. so yeah. This is immediate out of poverty money. Yeah. Um. However, uh, aside from the fact that he is getting more money, mm-hmm. um, he also decided to find some more ladies. Of course. <laughs> I need a new muse. The old ones have run dry. <laughs> oh, also, I'm, I'm so sorry. My accent might be terribly offensive, but <laughs> you know. We do- done, we've done bad accents before, it's yeah, all fine. I feel this is a thing, like, I'm not sure if I should keep apologising for them, because I'm going to keep doing them regardless. Oh yeah, <laughs> do you remember that one New Year's Eve when you got stuck in a Scottish accent for the whole day? <laughs> that was actually hilarious. Oh, he yeah. couldn't stop doing it. <laughs> it's because I'd been doing it all the car journey up to Norwich, yeah. and then I just couldn't stop. <laughs> Okay, he gets to Edinburgh, mm-hmm. and between eight, sorry, between 1787 and 88, he had a relationship with Agnes, and I'm going to pronounce her last name wrong, mm-hmm. um, because I can't tell if it's Macklehose or Macleos. Right. Um, because the capital letters get put in different places. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Macklehose because it's easier to say. Yeah. Um, she was a fellow poet. Oh, cool. And she'd also separated from her husband seven years before. Mm. So she's pretty much single. Yeah. But she's also relatively wealthy compared to him. Yeah. And they wrote love letters to each other uh, using the Arcadian names of Sylvander and Clarinda. Oh, my God. I know. Poets. Agnes (laughs) needs to calm down. This was her idea. Oh, right. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me if it was his idea. No, no, it really wouldn't. Um, Romantic era poets. Always got to do stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. We are the goddess Diana and uh, just, yeah. Sylvander. Sylvander. And, and Clorinda. Clorinda. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Now, unusually, their relationship was not physical. Oh. Burns kept it in his pants. I think he tried otherwise. <laughs> she wrote him a letter, like, basically saying... <laughs> Sod off, you bastard. <laughs> well, no, I think she wants to be his friend and write these romantic letters. Right. Um, was she trying to do a sort of courtly love thing? I think so. Right. Well, I think she was trying to be a bit more appropriate for the era. I see. Um, because you can't really be a Regency lady living no. in high society in Edinburgh and getting knocked up. That just doesn't, yeah. that doesn't work. And Burns was like, get your kit off, love. Um, there is a suggestion that the fact that it wasn't a physical relationship and he didn't get his conquest, oh conquest, um, the reason that this... Okay, so the result of this was that he had an affair with Agnes's maid. Oh, he is—he's got form for that. 
Jenny Clow. Right. Uh, who got pregnant? Yeah. Like Burns, just. Yeah. He he was a fertile man. <laughs> the vasectomy was invented to prevent Robert Burns from having yet more children. <laughs> So Jenny Clow uh, had a son yeah. uh, called Robert Burns Clow. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Robert Burns was willing to take the baby into his home. I have guineas aplenty now. But Jenny Clow would not part with him, oh. which is fair enough, I, I mean, think. Yeah. Um, now, I've got a little side note about his life, just because his life and descendants are slightly interesting. Yeah. So... Robert became a wealthy merchant in London. Mm. He did well for himself. And he got married and had a son, also Robert Burns Clow, who went to Borneo, married a chief's daughter, and was killed by pirates. Wow. Right? That's amazing. Isn't that a great little side note to find in anything? Yeah. Do do we, like, have details of his life? We could do a full episode on that. We'll look him up some other time. Yeah. That's a good sort of... Pin for later. Yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't already decided on the episode next week, that would be a good one to look into. Um, so he also had an affair with another servant while he was in Edinburgh. Oh, my God. Oh, right. by the way, have I pointed out that Jean Armour was pregnant a second time at this point? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so unfortunate for him to be sleeping around so much and to be so fertile, apparently. I know, right? Like, that... It's got to be a bit of a bugger for him, really. (laughs) It's it's honestly shocking. Yeah. It's just... It's just too much. Do we have... Like, is there an eventual count of how many illegitimate children he had? There's a guesstimate. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so we're in the Boris Johnson style yeah, of yeah, yeah. child counting. We are. Okay, so I want to say a little bit about May Cameron, who was the other servant he had an affair with. Right. Because I got really cross with the way that Wikipedia rep- reports on Robert Burns' life. Yeah. So whenever it's somebody um, who isn't a servant, yeah. they tell you a bit about them and like right. what happened and what happened with their relationship. Right. Literally, the line about May Cameron is just, he also had an affair with May Cameron. Oh, poor woman. I know. So I clicked on this. It turns out that there was quite a lot going on in their affair. Okay. So what the original Wikipedia article does not mention is that she does seem to have become pregnant as a result of this. Um, There was a letter that he wrote to a man called Robert Ainsley... He said, the Devil's Day book, only April 14 or 15, so cannot yet have increased her growth much. Right. And then in June 1787, um, Burns received a letter from her, which was probably written for her by a friend, Mrs. Hogg, an innkeeper, Mm -hmm. um, which said, I beg for God's sake you will write and let me know how I am to do. You can trust to any person you can trust, Sorry, you can write to any person you can trust to get me a place to stay till such time as you come to town yourself. So that suggests to me that she was let go. Yeah, this is so sad. It's super sad. He wrote a note to Robert Ainsley, who seems to have been his guy who just dealt with all of his (laughs) pregnancies, because Robert Ainsley comes up a lot. I still don't know who he is, and I'm sorry. (laughs) Ainsley, I've got another one pregnant. Deal with it. (laughs) So... Burns wrote to Ainsley, asking him to send for the wench and give her 10 or 12 shillings and advise her out to some country friends. 
Call immediately, or at least as soon as it is dark. For God's sake, lest the poor soul be starving. Ask her for a letter I wrote her just now by way of token. And he added this instruction, which is so dark. Oh, God. But for heaven's, but don't, for heaven's sake, meddle with her as a piece. Oh, my God. Right? That's horrible. It's so dark. What the hell? Why did he have to... I, I don't know what Robert Ainsley is up to. Jesus. This has got really... Yeah, dark and depressing. Yeah. Okay. So, I've got to say, like... This suggests to me that this was something that was happening a lot, not just with Burns, but with other men in terms of like, you get maids pregnant and then you've got to look up, like send friends to look after them. And like, they're probably going to try and get maids pregnant as well. Yeah, I guess the deal with Robert Burns is just that he's pretty fruitful and somehow picks these ladies who are also pretty fertile. Yeah. But yeah. God, it sounds... Less and less attractive to be a maid in this era. I don't think you want to be a no. maid in this era. Like, I just I just really don't. No. To be fair to May, she did serve on Burns a lawyer's writ as used against a debtor contemplating leaving the country. Nice. Um, and he could have been arrested. Ah. Um, but it's probable that she either miscarried or gave birth to a stillborn child because right. after that it got written off. Okay. But effectively... He would have been held kind of in debt for the child. Yeah. Which I think is fair. No, that, that yeah, I mean, absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I felt like it was worth talking about, despite the fact it's pretty dark. Just yeah. because I think that a lot of the time there is a tendency for us to, like, hero worship guys. Yeah. And this is the reason I kind of wanted to apologise about the way that I'm portraying Robert Burns in mm. this. Because... Ultimately, it's going to make him sound really awful. Yeah. But I think, and I'm not talk, and because I'm only talking about all of his women and nothing else about his life. Yeah. Um, like it will make him sound awful. But yeah. I suspect that there were lots and lots of people who were living in a really similar way at the I time. Think so I think like you have to remember that people are always going to be multifaceted, and hero worship is always going to be blinding to a lot of stuff because you know people have flaws no one's perfect and like a lot of people are probably not even that good yeah so they may do great things and you may worship them for some particular thing but you know that's not going to be the whole story so i think it's a worthwhile story to tell if not for the fact that you know justice for these maids like i know i know jesus that's horrible but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it particularly takes away. Um, oh, I hope not. I yeah, hope not. Just, just you know, adds adds depth to the character. Yeah. Okay, so through both of these affairs, um, he claimed to still be in love with Agnes. Okay. The one who goes by the name of Clorinda. Yeah. And this lasted all the way up until 1788. Oh, wow, okay. And... On Saturday, the 23rd of February, 1788, yeah. Robert arrived at Willie's Mill in Tarbolton <laughs> uh, to see Jean Armour. Right. Who had left her parents' house due to her latest pregnancy by Burns. <laughs> she now has nine children, all of them Burns. Well, I think she's uh, like she's had twins. Yeah. I think one of them might have died by this point. Okay. Um, and Burns wrote to Agnes from Mosquiel right. saying this... 
And I'm sorry, it's going to make him sound like an utter douche. <laughs> okay. Now for a little news that will please you. I, this morning as I came home, called for a certain woman. I am disgusted with her. I cannot endure her. I, while my heart smote me for the profanity, tried to compare her with my Clorinda. Twas setting the expiring glimmer of a farthing taper beside the cloudless glory of the meridian sun. Wow. Here was tasteless insipidity, vulgarity of soul and mercenary fawning. There, polished good sense, heaven-born genius, and the most generous, the most delicate, the most tender passion. I have done with her, and <laughs> she with me. This woman I got pregnant is rubbish compared to the woman I want to get pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> he married Jean two weeks after writing that letter. Oh my god! <laughs> What the hell, Robert? There's some suggestion that Agnes may have actually encouraged him to do so. I mean, I would. Like, yeah. This has clearly gone on too long and she's like, get over me, man. Yeah, really. <laughs> and also, Jean is still pregnant at this point. Um, so she did have another set of twins. Right. Unfortunately, they died very quickly after uh, birth. Well, infant mortality rates, super high at this super point Super high. Um, so he got married. Oh. Finally, officially, right. in the eyes of the Kirk, I to mean, Jean. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think this is going to change him. <laughs> and you would be right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he definitely had at least one affair right. while he was married uh, with Anna Park, who mm -hmm. was a barmaid and servant. Right. And this resulted in a daughter. Of course it did. Now... It's hard to say exactly what happened to Anna Park. Right. So she might have died in childbirth. Oh, no. Um, or she might have gone off to become a servant after being the barmaid at the Globe, which right. was like his local haunt, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Don't shit where you eat, Robert. <laughs> um, so she either left her daughter because she died or yeah. left her daughter because she moved. Yeah. Um, Jean sent for the child. Wow, okay. And brought her up as part of the family. <laughs> the ever-increasing family. Mm -hmm. And gave her the surname Burns after Robert Burns' death. So right. So she's Elizabeth Brown. Uh, Elizabeth Burns, sorry. Right. Um, now, he might also have had an affair with a woman called Helen Hislop. Okay. Although that's confusing because Anna Park, like I said, the records on her are really unclear, apparently. Yeah. Um, so she sometimes goes by the surname Hislop. Right. And sometimes he calls her Helen because she's so beautiful, you know, like yeah, Helen, Helen of, of Troy. Troy. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to say. Okay, so they may have been the same person. Might have been the same person. Right. Might have been a different person. Very hard to say. Also, Helen Hislop, if she existed, might have had a child by him, but we just don't know. Right, okay. <laughs> As in like... Records suggest so, but it could just be Elizabeth Burns again. Yeah. Um, so he and Jean had nine children in total, wow. including their two sets of twins. Didn't I say nine earlier? Yeah, but he had 12 children that we know of in total. Oh, I know, I, I know, but yeah. I was just thinking, I, I'm sure I said their family was like nine. You might have done. Yeah. Prophetic. And... <laughs> Just to just to show you how quickly he got through ladies, he died at the age of 37. Whoa. Wow, he yeah, he got around. He got around. <laughs> uh, it was that one year, what was it, 1786 or something? I think it was 1786. <laughs> it was a mad year. 
Um, and he got at least two women pregnant that year. Oh my god! And one of them had twins. Wow. Okay. So I'm guessing this is kind of the end of our story. This is roughly the end of our story. Um, I think Jean Burns deserves a bit of a shout out. Yeah. Because she seems to have been, you know, a pretty stalwart person. Yeah. Um, she, she put s- up with a lot. She put up with a lot. Yeah. Um, she had three surviving children. Yeah. Out of the nine that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you know worked hard to make sure that they that all his children got money from his legacy yeah. including elizabeth burns who when they managed to get like a charitable donation thing to all the members of the family yeah elizabeth was given 200 pounds out of that nice so she definitely wasn't like massively looking down on her yeah which has got to be tough yeah it does i mean yeah you you've I guess if you are Jean, mm. you know the kind of man you're marrying. Yeah. So you're kind of prepared for it. Apparently she cracked jokes about it. Like, she said when she took in Elizabeth, she said something like, Our Robin had twelve wives. <laughs> she sounds awesome. I quite, like, I'm going to say, like, there's not that much in terms of, like, what Jean was like. Everything about her that I could find was about her life with Robert. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, she seems pretty chill, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I uh, like her. I think she's all right. And she did manage to outlive him by about 30 years. Yeah. So she managed to have a Robert Burns free life as well as a Robert <laughs> Burns full life, which is all you can really want. I mean, yes. You, you've got to expect that after he dies, she kind of is like, okay, now I'm going to have, like, a relaxed time of it. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm going to be chill. I'm not going to have any more children. No. And I'm just going to raise the ones I have. Yeah. The four children I have, one of whom is not even mine. Yeah. Um, so, in total, in terms of surviving children, Burns had five. Yeah. Um, so, one of them being... Uh, oh, what was his name? Robert Burns Clow. Yeah. The one that he tried to raise but couldn't yeah. because Jenny was like, no. <laughs> Um, Stay away from him. <laughs> through those five children, yeah, Burns has got nine hundred living descendants. Wow! So shout out to all those <laughs> descendants of Burns. Your ancestor was really horny. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, all their ancestors were. Yeah. That was only like just over two hundred years ago. Yeah, that's not that many generations. It's really, really not. <laughs> It's a trait in this family, it seems. I really think so. So that's my story about Robert Burns being an utter slut. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay, I'm super. I'm super in the sort of New Year's festive mood now. Yeah, let's all go out and impregnate as many people as possible in memory of Burns. As long as you make sure your friends aren't assholes about it. You got to make sure your friends aren't assholes about it, and you know, socially distanced. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to achieve this, but come on, guys, we've got to populate the world. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> it's populated enough. <laughs> And with that, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and didn't get too depressed. <laughs> no, I think it was good. I think it was fun. Okay. But yes, thank you for listening. And thank you for listening to this, our first year of podcast. And I mean, not full year, obviously, but still, 
you still, know, happy new year, everyone. End. Happy new year, yes. And thank you, as ever, to Kevin McLeod for our theme tune, Anachronist, and any other music that we put in here, with like some minor exceptions, like when I put in Muppets Christmas Carols, um, <laughs> which I just want to point out that's not Kevin McLeod. I think uh, that's Disney. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've been worried about Disney coming after you for a while. I have. I hope that the 30 second clip that I put in is fine. And <laughs> Fingers crossed, eh? <laughs> yes. So you can follow us on Twitter at that time when four. If you uh, mention us, help us with a bit of promotion. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Uh, you can email any suggestions for episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. And once again, thank you for listening. Hope we have a better 2021. See you next year. Bye.